Hey, make sure you click the share button right there so that other people can jump in and be a part of the service. But I'm excited about this series on winning. Who likes to win? Come on, raise your hand if you like to win. I know some of you do because you try to throw up your hand first right there. You say, I just won that right there. That's what I just won. We all like to win. Our theme verse for this series is 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24, where it says, Don't you realize that in a race everyone runs, but only one person gets the prize? So run to win. Nobody likes to lose. Nobody signs up for a race or a contest to say, I just want to come in fifth place or I want to come in last place. Nobody even says, I want to come in and just somehow survive the competition. Everybody, if you have the choice, if you have the option, you want to win. So it is in life. And today, we're specifically uh, going to look at this part of the series on winning at work. Who'd like to win at work? Anybody? See, it's true everywhere, every single aspect of life. We want to win. We want to win even in our workplace. And here's the great news for you is that you can, despite your circumstances. See, a lot of people just go to work to get through work, to get work over with and behind them. A lot of people dissatisfied at work. As a matter of fact, a global poll conducted by Gallup it's uncovered that out of the world's one billion or so full-time workers, only 15% of them are actually engaged and enjoying that work. That means there's an astronomical 85% of people who are just dealing with it, who are just trying to get through it. They're not engaged. They're not enjoying it. And that, that's, a pretty, that's a, a pretty depressing thought if you think about it. 85% not happy at work. Some of you are like, man, preacher, you prophesying right now because you're talking about me. You just called my stat right there. But work can be hard. It can be frustrating. It can be stressful. Some people think the only way to avoid stress at work is just to not go. I mean, that would be a terrible way to say, here's the only way that I don't have to be stressed at work. And thankfully, that's not the case. As a matter of fact, I'm so glad that you came to God's house today. As pastor said, success starts on Sunday. I'm so glad that you came. And today, we're going to look at whether you're uh, working full-time, part-time, or, or your role and responsibilities are on a volunteer basis, or if you're a student in school, even if you consider yourself retired or unemployed, I believe that God is going to speak to you today because he wants you to win. Tell your neighbor right now, God wants you to win. Go ahead and just tell them that God wants you to win. As it relates to winning at work, there are three quick myths I want to give you. It's just as introductory thoughts before we get to our primary scripture and points. I'm going to give you three introductory myths about work. Myth number one is this. First myth is that work is to be endured. That's a myth. People think that it is when it comes to work, you just have to deal with it. My very first job, my very first real job, was when I worked at a grocery store. Anybody else work at a grocery store early on in life? You, you did that? Listen, I worked, at a, I worked at a grocery store called Jitney Jungle. <laughs> like, who came up with that? Like, can, can you just picture the brainstorming? Jitney? I don't even know what a Jitney is. Jitney Jungle. And somebody said, and that, that'll sell right there. That'd be a great grocery store. 
And then whoever came up with that name probably came up with the outfit because I had to put on a pinstripe, like red, kind of, kind of a, a light red and, and white pinstripe vest. Somebody said, I think that'll look good. Somebody, somebody thought that. They thought that'd be good. Well, to my high school self, it wasn't, you know, and I didn't want to wear that on. I felt like it was goofy looking. I, I didn't think there's anything cool about it. And whenever I'd be wrapping up my school day, my friends would be talking about what they were about to go and do, going to go hang out, going to go play, going to do whatever, spend some time. And not me. I was going to Jitney Jungle. I was going to put on that goofy pinstripe vest, and I was going to go and, and bag groceries and mop the floor and take groceries out to cars. It didn't matter if it was pouring down rain. Didn't didn't matter if it was freezing cold. I was going to be out there with that pinstripe vest, just out there trying to act cool, look cool, knowing it wasn't cool. You know, just out there doing that. Grumpy customers telling you what they think. Don't put it on top of my eggs. I'm not going to put it on top of your egg. Don't put it on top of the bread. I'm not going to just every, and it's, oh, man. You say, well, why did you do it? I had to do it. My parents didn't ask me, do you want to work? I had that job because I had to work. There are a lot of grown folk today. That's the same reason they go to work. I don't have any choice. I don't want to be doing this. I'm not doing this because I want to. I'm doing it because I have to. And they see it as a nine to five grind. They see it as something to be endured. What if I told you today that God wanted your work to be something that was enjoyed, not just endured? As a matter of fact, that's precisely his plan, and you see that from the very beginning, and you see it throughout Scripture. We'll jump into Genesis in just a second, but let me show you another Scripture here in Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verses 18 and 19. It says, even so, I have noticed one thing at least that is good. It is good for people to eat, drink, and enjoy their work under the sun during the short life God has given them and to accept their lot in life. Verse 19, and it is a good thing to receive wealth from God and the good health to enjoy it. Now listen to this part right here, to enjoy your work and accept your lot in life. Look at what it says. This is indeed a what? A gift from God. It's a gift that God wants you to enjoy, not a burden that he wants you to endure. Now, if you can just begin to let that work on your perspective a little bit as we work our way down through this talk, I believe that that shift can help you view your work differently. It's a myth that it's to be endured. Here's a second myth, number two. It's a myth that work is a part of cursed creation. I mean, some people rebuke their job like it's from the devil. And some of you are like, well, you came to my job, you'd be rebuking it too. But, but I want to make sure that you understand is that work is not a part of fallen man or, or cursed creation. It's not something that happened after sin entered in. We know from scripture that work is actually a part of God's character, not sin's curse. 
Genesis chapter two, verses one, two, and three says, thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it, he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. God worked. It's in his nature. It's in his character. It's not a part of, 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 of cursed earth, but it's a part of God. God's character. And when he create, created Adam, one of the first things that he did with Adam was that he gave him a job. This is before sin entered in and the consequence of sin. This was in that setting that was perfect. It was flawless. There was, there was unbroken harmony with God. And, and there was a, the perfect setting to where everything that was just right in alignment. And, and what did God do? He gave Adam a job. Genesis chapter 2, verse 15 says, The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to do what? To work it and take care of it. So we see it in God's character and we see it in this perfect setting that work was not punishment, it was a gift. We'll understand more about that as we go. Third myth, let me give you this just as our introductory thoughts here together. Third myth is that the purpose of work is simply a paycheck. But that's what a lot of people think. The reason I took the job was so that I could get the money. The reason I got out of bed today is because I wanted to get paid. And there's nothing wrong with earning a paycheck. As a matter of fact, that is very biblical. It is a good thing. But when you reduce work to a paycheck, you will suffer. When you see getting up and going to work solely for getting that paycheck, you will not set yourself up to win. Why? Because how many of you have discovered that no matter how hard you work, you, you earn the money, but it's never enough money. Come on, wave at me if you can just testify to that. If you're not waving right now, can I, can I have a hundred bucks? Because none of you had a, you have never had your boss call you and say, "Hey, you've been working hard. We appreciate it. Here's a bonus." And you're like, "No, man, no, I'm good. No, you you keep that. You go do something nice for you." You've never said that before. Your thought was, "Well, man, if that's the best you can do, I'll take it. Thank you. I appreciate it." Because I'm working hard. It's never enough. And so if my sights are set on that, I will work harder and harder and harder and be perpetually unfulfilled and disappointed. Work will always come up short because it's never enough. We just look at Genesis 2, 15, where it told us that God put Adam in, in the garden to work. But now look at what it says in verse 19. It tells us that one of the jobs that Adam had in the garden was to name the animals. Genesis chapter 2, verses 19 to 20 says, Now the Lord God had formed out of the ground all the wild animals and all the birds in the sky. He brought them to the man to see what he would name them. And whatever the man called each living creature, that was his name. So the man gave names to all the livestock, the birds in the sky, and all the wild animals. Can you imagine that? 
having to name all of the animals. I mean, I have six children, and we started running out of names for our kids. You know, when you have that many, like, man, we got to do a middle name too. You know what I mean? That was just like hard. I almost went the George Foreman route. Any of y'all remember the professional boxer, how he named his, remember that? George Foreman named his son George Foreman Jr. You remember that? Then he had another son. What did he name? George Foreman the third. You remember? This is like for real. George Foreman the fourth. George Foreman the fifth. I'm like, come on, man. You got to be a little more creative than that. Can you imagine what Adam was up against? Got to name all the animals. And he probably started off like with some, it's some real zing to it. You know, when he, when he started off, he was like, saber-toothed tiger. <laughs> Look at that thing. Big old thing, that's a hippopotamus. Oh, man, just drawing it out. Chimpanzee, zebra. And after a while, he's like, bird. Red bird. Blue bird. Big bird. I mean, he was just, he started getting desperate. I don't know if at some point he just thought, man, this is insignificant. This is small. This is not that important. I'm just doing it just for this. No, no, no. You have to realize that all that God has caused to do is tied to a purpose. God wants you to win in your life, at your school, at your job. He wants you to win because God created you and me to be winners. Can you say amen to that? There's purpose behind Adam's work, behind your work and mine. Well, the great news is, is that when you study the ultimate HR manual, if you will, God's word, when you get into it, you will discover that he doesn't just expect us to win, but he gives us a blueprint, if you will, or ways to win. So let me today give you three keys to winning at work. Three simple, easy things that I, I, I'm convinced as I prayed, as I prepared for this, I'm convinced that if you will receive this and if you will live this out, you can experience victories at your job, at your workplace. First key to winning at work, number one is this, to see your career as your calling. To see your career as your calling. Now, to many, too many people make the mistake of thinking that their ministry is at church. Like, I serve at church. That's where my ministry is. But when I go to work, I just do a job. And they draw this unfortunate line between what they consider to be sacred and what they consider to be secular. What I do at work is secular, but what I do at the church is sacred. But God created you on purpose and for a purpose. And your God-given purpose is a sacred calling. Do you hear that today, church? He's called you with his sacred calling. It's tied to eternal purpose. And he, like, puts stuff in you to carry that out. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10 says it this way. For we are God's handiwork. God put stuff in you. He shaped you. He formed you. He gave you those talents. He gave you those abilities. He gave you that personality. He gave you that mind. We are created by God, created in Jesus. Look at what it says, to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. 
Are you connecting the dots here that there's this creation part? There's this, he placed stuff in you. God doesn't just want you to go to work. He wants you to do good works, not just for money, but working for God's glory and you're good. Listen to the way the psalmist writes it in Psalm 139, verses 13 and following. He says, for you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Come on, somebody needs to hear that today because it's, it's not just a job. You're carrying out destiny. You're fearfully and you're wonderfully made. You have value. Hear that today. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body, and all the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. Do you see how both in Ephesians and here in, in Psalm 139, how there's this connection to the creation of God for him. He didn't create you because he needed you. You do understand that, right? God wasn't like, I don't know how I'm going to get this done. I know. I'll create Scotty. He'll be able to do it. God didn't create me because he needed me. He created me because he wanted me. God wants relationship with you, but he values that relationship, so he puts stuff inside of us skills, abilities, stuff that is unique to you that you're able to do only the way that you could do it. And he placed that inside of you because all the days ordained for you were written in the book before one of them came to be. So he had something that would fulfill you, something that you would flourish in. And so he created you and wired you in such a way that you would be able to do that. It's a sacred calling. It's not just a job. And you will never win at work as long as you see a job as a job. It'll never be fulfilling. It will never flourish. But when you understand that God, the creator, created you and placed that divine purpose in you, he's given you a sacred call. And now you understand your business mind, your people skills, your creative ability, your ability to work with your hands to build things, your ability to organize. All of that is from God inside of you to be carried out in your calling. It will change the way you view your work. As a matter of fact, I would suggest to you that if you could just let this be illuminated in your heart, it would cause you to dig into God's word. It would cause you to seek scripture about your job. You would say, Lord, how am I supposed to handle difficulty? How am I supposed to handle conflict? How can I be more encouraging in my office? How can I serve others? How can I work hard? How can I live with excellence? You'll begin to pray over your meetings, asking God to give you wisdom for your decisions. You'll begin to pray over lesson plans before you teach them at school. You begin to ask God to bless you as you coach that team. All of that will come from this perspective and this understanding that my eternal purpose is tied to my earthly job. Do you believe that today? Don't minimize it. Don't reduce it just to a job or a paycheck. God blessed you with that job because he has a purpose for you being there. There's a second key to experiencing a win at your work, and it's this, is that you would see your work as worship. Seeing your work as worship. Uh, it's not just a task. It's not something just to get done, but it's one of the ways I express my love 
my gratitude and my praise to my God. I get it that there's no perfect boss, there's no perfect place, there's no perfect worker because there are no perfect people. But if we're honest, some people are harder to work for than others. And we realize that some places are more difficult. Some coworkers, if we're shooting straight, you don't have to say amen, but you know some are just easier to get along with than others. But when you know that you are going to that school, you are going to that job site, and you're going to that place, and as you go, you're not going there for the approval of man. You're not going there to impress people. I go where I go, and I do what I do, because all that I do is worship to my king. It will change the way I work. Colossians chapter 3, verse 17 says, whatever you do, somebody say, whatever you do, and whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all. Do all of it, every single bit of it, all your responsibilities, all your job description. Do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him, whether in word or in deed, whether at play or at work. I'm supposed to see all of that as worship to God. When you're selling insurance, you're doing it for the Lord. When you're preparing taxes, you're doing it for the Lord. You can actually bring praise and glory to God with excellence as you detail cars, as you clean houses. It's worship. It's more than just singing songs at church. It's whatever we do. I'm doing it in the name of the Lord. Thank you, Lord, for giving me this delivery job. I praise you, God, for allowing me to paint these houses. To God be the glory that I work at this nursing home. God, let my work be worship to you. And here's what's really cool is that when you approach your work as worship, you're setting yourself up to win. I really mean it. You're setting yourself up to win in the biggest of ways. Why? Because God delights in rewarding his children. I mean, he longs to bless his people. He even promises us that as we work hard and do what we do for him and see it as worship, he says, I have a blessing waiting for you. Listen to what Colossians chapter three and verse 23 says. Do you know that the word of God is real today? Come on, can you trust the word of God today? Listen to what it says in Colossians chapter three, verse 23. It says, whatever you do, somebody say whatever. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as what? Working for the Lord, not for human masters. Since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward, it is the Lord Christ you are serving. See, it's worship to the Lord. That's why we work hard. Why? It's worship. That's why I show up on time. No, if I don't, I get fired. No, no, no. That's, that's motivating. But what's even more motivating is this is for King Jesus. I'm doing this to honor the Lord. The way I work is worship. Worship. 
My attitude is worship. The way I honor my boss, my coworkers, avoiding gossip, having good attitudes, all of this is worship. But you don't know my situation. You don't know my work environment. My boss is unbearable. My coworkers are driving me crazy. The customers are rude. And you know what you do? You take the high road. You take the high praise road. You keep that pep in your step. You keep that smile while you're waiting on tables. You keep whistling while you're working. Why? Because you know that God is watching and it's God that you're serving and it's God who will reward you. Why? Because you are working as you worship your God and he always rewards you. Come on, can we thank the Lord together today? That's how you win at work. Let me give you this third and this final piece. If you want to win at work, you got to do this, church. You got to do it. You got to see your workplace as your mission field. If you're going to win at work, it's got to be more than a job site. You got to see it as a mission field. No matter where you go, no matter where you work, no matter where you find yourself in your nine to five or your place of employment, you got to understand that you are there on assignment from God. Somebody needs to hear this today because you look at your work and you're like, man, this place is a mess. You look at the way your boss leads and you think, man, he doesn't know what he's doing. You're sitting around coworkers who are gossiping and who are, who are backbiting and, and you're looking at the company and you don't respect the values. You don't appreciate the language. You're out there doing that landscaping job and the other coworkers, the people around just foul mouth. Crude jokes. You see in the company there's dishonesty or a lack of integrity and it's, it's just hard to even go because you're seeing this and it, and it just grieves you and your instinct is to think, I want out. But what if you flipped that perspective and you realize that people who are away from God, people who are broken, people who have no hope will make decisions that are very different from those who are followers of Christ. And instead of looking for your way out, you realize that God is the one who's provided a way in. It's not that you needed a job. It's not that you did it for the paycheck. You realize that God has brought you to that workplace for an impact. He's brought you there to represent Jesus. Don't you realize that you're the only Bible some people will ever read? So when you go to your workplace and you're surrounded by all that stuff, what if you went walking in, not going, how can I play defense against the darkness? How can I keep myself from being polluted by all of the junk around me? How many of you know that anytime light hits darkness, light wins every time? Matthew chapter 5, verses 14, 15, and 16 says, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good deeds and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. In other, in other ways, the way God wants this light 
to win over darkness is that you understand when you go to that workplace and you're carrying the love, the hope, the peace, the joy, the light of Jesus Christ, when you step into that place, you have stepped in not simply as an employee, but you have stepped in as a missionary. You have stepped in as an influencer. He wants you to bring that light to others. So now, all of a sudden, you realize that as you're interacting with people, your attitude matters. When others are gossiping and you don't jump in, that was a witness in that moment. That was influence there in that moment. When others are cutting corners or coming in late or leaving early and you're not, what you're doing is you are representing Jesus Christ. And as you do, people are looking at your life and they realize there's something different about you. What would people think if all they know about Jesus is you? What would they think of him? You've heard that saying before, right? That, that we're supposed to be Jesus with skin on. We're supposed to bring Jesus wherever we go. What's their view? And, and, and if you go to work and you're always showing up late, are you going in and you, you just always complaining, man, did you see what they gave me to do today? Oh my, do you know what they did? Let me tell you something, just gossiping, talking about people, just negative, just always grumpy. Just act like you, you, every day you go to work, you act like you just sucked on a lemon. You just come in looking like that. Just come in like. And in the midst of carrying yourself like that, and you're like, and by the way, I'd love to invite you to our church. I'd like to introduce you to Jesus and you can be as miserable as I am. Would you like that? And they're like, no, I, I, you know, I think I'm good. <laughs> like, I don't, if that's what it is, I don't want it. But through building of a friendship, building a relationship, you have an opportunity to build a bridge to their heart and allowing Jesus to walk over. Relational evangelism is the most effective way to share Christ. As a matter of fact, I, I would say it this way. Your work, your school, wherever you spend the bulk of your waking hours, because I know that some people have very just non-traditional ways of working or whatever you're doing, but God puts you in places where even if you're a stay-at-home mom, listen, God puts you in places. Even if you're unemployed right now, God puts you in places. Even if you're retired, God puts you in places. And when he does, he's doing it for a reason. And so when you're there to show love, when you're there to encourage when you're there to bring hope. And people are seeing that life is, has ups and downs for you as well. They know what you're carrying. And yet somehow, someway, you didn't lose your joy. How? They know what's going on in your world. They know about the flat tire. They know about the, the, the transmission that needs to be replaced. But you still have peace. How? They got the same memo that you did, that there may be cutbacks, that, that people may be laid off, but whenever you got it, you didn't sigh, you didn't freak out, you didn't worry. Everybody else was worried about what are we gonna do, what are we gonna do, but you didn't, why? Because you know that God is your provider, and as they're looking at you, there's a peace that passes all understanding, and they say, what is it about you? I know that God can use a somebody handing out a religious tract. I know that God can use somebody renting billboards and having script. I know that God can use things like that, but typically it's through relationship. I just wonder by a show of hands, how many of you say a friend or a family member introduced you to Jesus? That's how you came to know Christ. Come on, raise your hand up, raise it up and keep it up. Keep it up. Just look around the room. The vast, 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 vast majority. 
That's how it happens. That's why when you go to work, you're building bridges. You're building friendships. And some of you will say, well, that's just it. I don't even want to be friends with them. But hey, Jesus does. That's why he sent you. And we got to get over ourselves to realize, man, I'm a missionary here. God wants to use you. I wonder who's currently at your work waiting for you to show up and bring Jesus, to bring hope, to bring healing to them. They don't know how to say it. They may not ask it the right way. But when you go and you represent the love of Christ, when you do unto others as you wish that they would do, as you would want them to do, not the way they do unto you, the way you would want them to do unto you, what happens is now you start selling insurance the way you wish that it was sold to you. <laughs> you start selling cars the way you wish it was. You start teaching the way you wish. You start plumbing the way you wish it was plumbing. You start barista the way you wish it was barista. What is happening is you're showing them Jesus. I know it's not always easy. I know that there will be difficulty. Winning doesn't come for those who are looking for the easy route. Winning comes for those who refuse to give up, refuse to, they had a good game plan. They plan their work and they work that plan. God wants to do that in you at your job. And I want to pray over you today that you'd win. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Just as we close in prayer today, I just want to ask that the Lord would bless you at your work. Lord, I ask in Jesus' name that you would favor our church family. Lord, I pray that you would open up the right doors at the right places of employment, close the wrong ones. Lord, I pray that you would bless them and prosper them at their jobs, at their workplace. I pray that they would, they would work those skills in a way that would bring about results and they would write up strong contracts and they would close great deals. Lord, they'd have favor with customers. I pray that over our church family today. But Lord, bigger than that and more than anything, would you send us as missionaries? Would you help us to win as we win people to you? Lord, we know that time is short, so we have to work while it's day, for the night is coming when no man can work. So would you help us, Lord, to win by winning others to you. In Jesus' name.